looks so good. So good to have each and every one of you to be worshiping with us this morning. And, you know, it's just such an awesome time. So let's all stand. Let's go to the Lord. And we'll just sing a new song to him. How about it? Here we go. Two. Yes.
So everybody had a good week so far? Y'all may be seated if you can. You know, I don't know. I get so excited. I don't know how I, I can't be seated myself. So, uh, Sister Julie, you got some announcements for us this morning. Why don't you bring it, girl? All right, I'm bringing it. First off, I just want to say if everybody is as happy as I am to be in the house of the Lord this Amen. morning with each other, let's give a good old shout of hallelujah out to Jesus. Yes. Perfect. Amen. Perfect. I'd like to welcome our returning guest and our first-time guest. Please know that if you haven't already filled out a card, there is one in the pew in front of you. It has the picture of Pastor Phil and his lovely bride, Deneen, on the front. You can drop that off in the offering plate or give it to Pastor Phil on your way out the door in the lobby. Also, I want to let everybody know that on this coming Wednesday night, Deneen will not be doing the Women of Worship, so we won't have that Wednesday night. However, Gary Miller will be doing his uh, study class here on Wednesday night in the auditorium. So that will be at what time? 6.30. All righty. So be here if you if you still want to come and, and get that worship filled, you know, get it filled in your soul, come and join Gary. And also, Bob Maria tonight will be doing his Sunday school class at 6 p.m. And that is it for announcements. Sweet. Oh, that's awesome, man. So we got things going on. It's good to see you folks this morning. And uh, this is one of the reasons our kids, so pray for them, they're actually traveling down right now. And uh, so we get to spend the week with them. So we're going to be kind of doing some chilling out with our family. So I don't know about them coming to Florida with all the spike and stuff going on. But anyway, um, but they're coming from North Carolina. So just pray for us and just pray that we have a great time together. And we haven't seen them in quite some time. So let's all stand again. Let's do a little worship here. Here we go. Two, three, four. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come. We gather together to lift up your name. Oh, 
opportunity to share the word of God with you. It's a it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity. Um, when I uh, I've, I've done this lesson before, uh, and when I, I told my uh, Sunday uh, my Wednesday night class, I I never store any of my lessons that I've done. I rewrite those because God gives them uniquely to you, and so I trust this morning that God will uh, give you something special. How, what, what do you think it would be like to have a picnic with Jesus? And he supplied the fish. And so we're going to look at that this morning. But let me just begin to pray, uh, really to help open my heart to make sure that I'm listening to God, uh, because he is a great, wonderful God, isn't he? Uh, he just, he's, and we need him uh, in this day and time. We need to draw close to him. And so let me just pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love and your grace and your goodness. I ask you to use these words to touch hearts and minds. Dear Lord, that they may not see me, but to see you. So I ask you now to guide and direct us in Jesus' precious name. Amen. When I first did this message, it was uh, some time ago in a in a church. And and I, we used to do skits. We did a lot of skits and we, we would do plays. And so I did one for this and I, I came down in a in a big rubber tube around me and I had I had a swimming trucks on and I had a tank top on and sunglasses and a hat and I goes man I'm looking for I'm looking for Jesus I'm looking for a place to place to have a fish fry and Linda threatened that if I ever did that again she'd quit making me pies so you know, and I didn't do it today because nothing's scarier than a fat man running around in a swimming suit, you know, and no pool. So, so uh, uh, I'd be ready for the rubber room. But I want to share this with you because uh, in church ought to be fun, shouldn't it? I mean, we ought to have a good time because guess what? When we get to heaven, there is nobody that's going to be sad to be there, right? We're not going to want to go back. So let's just enjoy ourselves and love one another and just have a good time together and so that's what I hope to do well let's uh, let's look at uh, uh, John chapter 1 or John chapter 21 and we're going to look at some things uh, the main focus of this uh, chapter is uh, restoration and not just restoration for Jesus but rest, rest, restoration for all the ones that are in the boat and then there's some other themes that are in there. First of all, Jesus will supply all of our needs. Isn't that true? Isn't that great that Jesus will supply all of our needs? And the other one is, is that you and I can never accomplish anything without Jesus. These fellows tried to go out and accomplish something, and they, and they discovered that it didn't work because they didn't go before Jesus first. And the second thing, the third thing is, is that Jesus expects us to have agape love for him. We're going to look at the differences there. Some of you have probably heard this message before. That uh, this sacrificial love that Jesus has for you, he had it on Calvary. And so that's a beautiful picture that God has. And so let's read 1 through 3 of John chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples um, at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathan of Canaan, uh, and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples together, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. 
Have you ever had that where your friend says, hey, we're going fishing? So they're getting ready to go fishing. And they said, uh, we are going with you also. So, so they went out immediately and got into the boat that night, and they, they caught nothing. Wasn't that a bummer? I don't know if you've been, uh, ever been fishing, but your expectation is to catch big old fish. And these guys are professionals at it. They're, they're, they do it for a living. And so they're out there going fishing. Put it down that uh, if you don't follow Jesus, you don't keep him. Now you know why I put that in my pocket. Fat man pushes thing off of belt. If you can't tease yourself about things, then you're in trouble, right? Okay, so the idea is this, is that... Uh, these guys were out trying to do it their own way. After these, these let's look at this word. After these things, uh, that's way of John. If you read John's books, even in Revelation, we just come out of that together on uh, Wednesday. That uh, he uses this transition. It's this common language of John that says, "Hey, listen, uh, pay attention to what I'm about to tell you." He's saying after these things, so the disciples appeared. Jesus had appeared to these disciples, and John records them here at this time. This is now, in the other Gospels, it talks about other things. Let me talk to you about the the, uh, the Gospel message for just a moment. The world says that there's a, a contradiction. There is no contradiction there. If four of us were standing on a corner, and we seen an accident, and a police officer came up to us and said, Hey, what did you see? I'll bet that we all have a different account of what we've seen. But isn't the fact that we didn't see it. It's the fact that we had a different account of it. Sometimes... What influences also is the fact of our background. If you're a police officer, you're going to describe it much differently, like Bill, than I would, right? I'd think about the guy with the fender because I worked for GM for a while, so I think about the fender and all this, but he'd talk about how the guy ran the stop sign kind of a thing, okay? So the idea is that this is what the gospel does. It describes things, and then God lets them use their personalities to bring it out. So that's why it's so beautiful to see this. And so when we look at it, we see that the disciples have been appearing to, to Jesus uh, or Jesus has appeared to the disciples several times uh, it also says that we uh, we find here that uh, they're back to their old trade now remember that that uh, in this fact of being with Jesus they've all been with him uh, at uh, the garden remember that they all were at the garden with him so they all seen him they all knew him some of them were even at the cross remember Peter and uh, just John was at the cross. Only Peter and John was at the at the trial. And some of those got so afraid, they even ran. And Mark, the Bible says John Mark uh, ran out of his clothes. They tried to grab him, and he ran right out of his clothes. That's how afraid they were. So think about it for a moment. Here's these group of people who are in a boat, and and they're thinking in their mind that that uh, what's going on with our lives. Uh, we see this Jesus, even Thomas didn't even believe that uh, he was risen from the dead until he could touch his, his hands and his, and his side. And that's the way the world is. We're looking for evidence. And so they were in the boat and they were struggling and they were really downtrodden because they were wondering where the next place was. Think about it for a moment. For Peter, put yourself in Peter's place. Peter was a fellow that says, you know what, I, I will defend you to the end. Right? He set out and he took up a sword and he cut that fellow's ear off. And Jesus got after him and rebuked him. He said, what are you doing? And so we see these men in a boat and they're struggling trying to understand 
what's going on. And then, and then Jesus shows up and at the end of it. We'll look back at this for a minute. And uh, they're, trying to, they're trying to work through this whole situation out. And even they feel as failures because they can't even catch any fish. And the worst thing that you can ever do to, to a fisherman when they haven't caught any fish is say, Hey, you catch any fish? And that's what Jesus did. And they all said, No. So we see here that Jesus shows himself to the, the apostles and or the disciples, and they don't realize they're actually apostles here. The Bible says they're disciples, and so he's asking them if they caught any fish. So they're downtrodden, and they're, they're wondering, what is going on here? Well, let's look at verse 4. Somebody stole the characters. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore... Yet the disciples had not known that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you got any food? And they said, No. Verse 6. And he said to them, Cast your net on the right side of the boat. They go, Ah, I remember that. Remember that? They were in the boat before. Jesus said, Cast it on the right side. You ever wonder why they always said right side? It's the, it's the judgment side, the right side, or the righteous side of God. It's a picture of finding some. They cast the nets out and they caught all those fish. And so much that they can't even bring them in. And uh, he says, you will uh, find some there. And he says, so they cast there. And now they were uh, not able to draw into it because of the multitude of the fish. So notice that when they obeyed Jesus and they followed Jesus, they were able to catch what they were having. You ever have those times where you're trying to work things out? Put it down, people. This is what will happen if you don't keep your eyes on Jesus. You will go back to the old ways. I can tell you that GM moved me a couple different times. We were very busy uh, in, a, in a church uh, for a while when we first were saved. Believe this or not, I, Linda and I were uh, saved under a, a message of tithing. And I was a guy who, who could make a penny cry. I was just so tight with money. I thought money was the main thing in my life. So they asked us to, to give us a sermon, and Jesus touched our hearts. And there's a big story how we got there. God just led us to the to the church, and and uh, well, I'll share the story with you. We God said to me one day, he said, hey, it's time to to get busy with me, and I and I probably was saved at the age of eight. Uh, and so um, they said, you know, get busy. And so I said, okay, God. Uh, he says, why don't you go buy a Bible? And I goes. Linda's got a Bible and it's up on my shelf and I can read, no, no, I want you to go buy a Bible. So I said, okay. So anyways, we go to the bookstore. It was one of my favorite things to do. You guys like to go to bookstores? So we went to a bookstore and Linda's there with me. She likes to shop. She's a woman. She likes to shop. So I said, Linda, how would you like to go to a mall? I right, well, let's go to the mall. So we went to the mall. I went to the bookstore. There was a couple there. Nothing. I prayed. God didn't lay on my heart. You know, went to buy. So I went to another mall there and said, okay, God, uh, I'm here, nothing, just nothing. So I'm, I'm driving back, I go, man, I, I must be things confused, it must not be. So God says, let's give me one more. He said, put it to the back end of this mall. So Linda's not questioning me, saying, what in the world, you lost your mind because she's so used to me. We've known each other since we were 10, poor girl, and we've been married for 52 years, 53 years, long time, poor girl. And so the idea was that we I, we went back to this mall, and I went in there, and she was okay with it. She didn't ask me any questions. And 
and I got in and God laid on my heart to buy this Bible. So I bought the Bible and uh, went back home and uh, prayed a little bit, whatever little bit I knew, because my family never took me to church. I was saved at eight, never went to church. I just knew that God had saved me, but didn't know it at the time. Please understand that I'm just I'm a guy trying to work this thing out. So I'm down there and I get home and I pray a little bit. And he says, okay. He says, now I want you to go to church. Oh, man, I just bought a Bible. What do you mean I want to go to church? I don't know where to go to church at. And he says, well, listen, he said, your son found a Bible. I didn't know it. I mean, I knew that he had found the Bible, and I knew where I put it, but God reminded me where it was at. He says, go to that church where we're at. So we go to that church, and typically, the first-time visitor there, we came in late. Right? You ever have that happen to you? You just come in late? Well, I came in late, and they ushered us in, and so the subject went on, and we got a chance to to uh, go bef- uh, go forward, and we raised our hand that night. We were baptized, and we got very busy in the church, and then God moved me. And he moved me to Indiana with a seven-day operation, 12 hours a day. starts to move us again. We move back to Michigan. Go back in the, I go to engineering. And I go back to my boys. You ever been there? That's what these guys did. They went back to their old ways. They went back to what was used, what they were used to, what was common. They had to make a living. Do you know what? I always had this yearning in my heart. I had a great job. But there was something missing in my heart when I was not a full-time Christian. I was a part-time Christian. A lot of Christians out there are part-time Christians. This nation right now needs full-time Christians. Look what's going on. It's scary. And the Bible says it's going to get worse. And I used to, in 1980, when I was preaching, I said, it can't get any worse. Boy, wouldn't we like to have those days back. And so the idea is is that we've got to stay to the task because if we don't, people are watching us. Look what Peter did. They were keeping an eye on Peter. And wherever Peter, remember, he was supposed to be the rock. Supposed to be the Petros. Jesus said he was the rock, the one that builds on the chief, the main cornerstone, the chief cornerstone. So he's he's that rock that's been built on, and so he's leading these people back, and they're saying, "Hey, we're going to go with you." And he's back there fishing when he should be doing some other things, and he's got a broken heart. Think about it for a moment. How many times have you denied Jesus? Probably nobody in this room has ever denied Jesus. Yet he did it three times. Back to his old ways when they asked him, he even got mad and went to his old self, start cussing people out. Mark took off running in the garden. He wasn't, didn't want to get captured. All those guys were hiding. 
guys. It was only the women that showed up at his trial, except for John and Peter. And it was only the women that showed up at the garden after he was in at crucifixion. Only John showed up at crucifixion. Women were there. Where were the strong men at? I'm a man. I'm hiding. So here's my point. God gives his women for a purpose, right? So never sell that short because uh, I would never be where I'm at if it wasn't for my wife. And I'm using that as an example simply because God puts us together as a family. Did you know that if you're a Christian in this in this uh, auditorium right now, you have a ministry? You've been given a spiritual gift and a ministry for that spiritual gift. It's important to do that because we've learned that the rewards and the... Uh, millennial reign are from what we do on this earth. And it's not based on what you do, it's the heart that you do it in. And so that's what's going on in Peter's life, and that's what's going on in the apostles' life. Their heart is troubled. They're, they're trying to figure out what's going on. And they're afraid. Listen, if you, people are watching you, and the question is, is it when they're watching you, where are you leading them? Right now, this morning, I can I can guarantee that I have my granddaughter and my great-grandchildren in church this morning. And I have my daughter and my son-in-law in church. Now, some of the other ones, you do your best. But you got to still stay the task. you got to stay original. you got to stay the full-time Christian. Because people are watching, and it's a question of what direction you're leading them. If you stay true to the Word of God, then guess what? This thing that's broken in your heart is going to start knitting together. I'm telling you, when I when I was when I was out making, I had I was fortunate. I had a great job at GM, but I never was happy. Why? I was making great money, but it had nothing to do with money. It had nothing to do with what. It had to do with what was inside here. It was empty. Now, I knew Jesus, but I was a part-time Christian, and there was this yearning to. To, to serve him and to tell others about Jesus. And I didn't know I was going to be a preacher one day. But God gave it to me, and I love it. And you've been called to do that. And there's some people in this room that have been called to be prayer warriors. Been called to send out cards, to be encouragers, to be administrators. The great part of this church is we've got some wonderful administrators in this church. We've got wonderful servants in this church. And they're called ministries. Why? Because God gave it to them. And God's not called us to sit in a pew. He's called us to get busy because, listen, people are watching. People are dying and going to hell. And you don't know who they are. I mean, I've had times where I had worked with people and, and I did my best. I can tell you that. Remember the UAW? Anybody remember hearing about the UAW, how tough they were? Well, way back then, I, was, I thought I knew it all. I still do, but Linda corrects me. I had did something in, uh, and I just was newly saved, and and I did something to make somebody mad, and, and, I, and it was wrong, but I did. And so they wrote it. They had a tablet. It was about this wide and about this thick, and they were gone for two hours, and they wrote up all kinds of grievances on me, and they, and they had to settle. It must have been 50, 60 grievances. And they came to me, and they wanted me to start signing, and I go, you need to know that uh, that I was wrong, and I I, 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 had mis I, I had treated the person poorly. I responded. 
about Jesus for you giving a, a dollar and somebody getting saved in far remote Africa because God does that. And so the idea is this, is that, that, that we, we want to serve Jesus. It's a great opportunity. He's inviting us to come. He says, come. Someday he's going to say, come up hither. The door's going to be open. And I tell you what, when I go there, i got to tell you a story. It happened twice. A couple times. My son and their daughter and my grandsons were in a Calvary chapel in Waterdale, Florida at the time. It was, um, Bob Coy was the preacher there. It was very fast for the church. And uh, I was there singing some songs. I get a chance now, and I'm going to brag about it. I get a chance to, to, uh, to, to now, my, in August, I'm going to, my grandson's getting married, and I'm going to do the officiating there, and then my other grandson's going to get married in January. I'm going to do that one there. And then they did my daughter, and I'm going to baptize those kids. Here's my point. I'm not bragging about this because Jesus gave it to me. It was, I did nothing for it. Jesus did it all. But they were watching their grandmother. They were watching whether
said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They, they didn't expect to see Jesus. That's wrong with the world. You know, there's nothing wrong. God laid this on my heart. I just wanted to share this with you. There's nothing wrong with saying, Run around saying Jesus is just friendly, but Jesus is a righteous and holy God. He's going to be, He's going to be judging the world, the great white throne judgment. So He needs to be your Lord and Master first, and then your friend. He loves you. He died on a cross for you. He thought of you. Your name come across His lips in His mind as He was dying on that cross. When He said it is finished, your name was there. He died for all mankind. talking about. He's talking about the redemption of the world. And he was thinking of you. So he's a beautiful, he's a wonderful Savior, but he's also the Lord. He needs to be the Lord of our lives. Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord, Jesus came, uh, then came and took the bread and he gave it to them, and likewise the fish. And now it was the fifth time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So he showed him several times, but this is the time that recorded by John. Then let's look at this conversation that took place. And then Jesus is trying to restore him. It's important to see this. Verse 15. I need to get a bigger Bible. You, you know what? I found that when I get older, the floor is farther away than it used to be. And the letters on a book are smaller. I don't know what that's about. And by the way, if you get down and get back up, you usually need help. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He uses Peter's name prior to giving Jesus giving him the name Peter. He uses the old name. He's reminding Peter what he's doing. Then he uses the word love me. It's agape. It's a love that's, that's unconditional. It's a sacrificial love is what he's asking Peter. He's saying, Peter, do you love me? A sacrifice. And God wants that for me and you. Then he says more than these. What was he talking about? Well, more than fishing. More than his friends going fishing. More than this old job. It's scary sometimes to step out.
notice if we go into Luke, or I mean to Acts right after this, this chapter, we go into Acts and, and Peter's era of Pentecost, he's been restored. Well, let's look a little bit further. Uh, and then he said to him, Lord, you know that I, uh, I, that I love you. Or, or let's go to the third time. Then he said to him uh, the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Now, God, Jesus uses the word, the same word that uh, Peter's been using. He uses that word Petros. He doesn't use the word agape anymore. He turns the tables on Peter. He says, well, are you my friend? So Peter gets all bummed out because he's kind of getting the message. The third time, and he says to me, uh, Peter says it was great because he had said them a third time. He says, do you know I love you? He said to him, Lord, you know that all these things that I love you. Then he said, feed my sheep. That's a beautiful picture of, of uh, conveys this idea of, of devotion in Christian service, Christ's service, to feed. You know, you don't have to be a pastor to feed somebody, right? You can tell others about Jesus, it's about feeding. Listen, the greatest testimony you have is not just the Bible, but what God is doing in your life. I tell this to people. If you look back on life as a little child, you'll see God's fingerprints on your life as a little child. That he's, that he's protected you, that he's looked after you, that he's, that, he's, that he's prevented you from being, you know, that red light you went into? Probably the next one, somebody ran a stop sign, and so you had to stop, and he was, he was mad because you had to stop at a red light. Well, maybe he did that because somebody was going to red light. Linda and I were one day driving to uh, <clears throat> to um, a, a service, and uh, a Camaro spun out in front of us. And that Camaro was so close to us that it was impossible for me to not hit it. It was an icy day. It was in the end. And we looked up, and the Camaro was on the other side of us. I don't know how it happened. I'm just telling you, I didn't hit the Camaro. God intervened. Does that in our lives, I mean, we just don't recognize it. The Bible says we entertain angels who don't know. Think about it for a moment. God, in His loving care for me and you, He still sends angels to do what He needs to do down here. They're busy. But Jesus is greater than any angel. I believe this when you die, when, you go, when I die, He isn't going to send an angel. He's coming because He died for me. He's coming for me. He's, he's all. He's all. He's all present. He's ever present. He's coming to take me. He's gonna. He's gonna take me to the Father. He's gonna put his arm around you when you're there, and he's gonna say, "This is my loved one, whom I died for." And he introduces you to the Father. I mean, that's a great picture, people. And in the meantime, he's 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 doing fingerprints on your life to make sure that you're gonna get there. You know, I didn't know that people were praying for me when Lynn and I were busy in our discovered that her mom was praying for us and other people were praying. You know what? There's people praying for you right now. Isn't that great? See, Jesus is the only answer to this world. It's nuts. And it's not going to get fixed until we get back to America put Christ first in it. We're wondering why. I mean, they're, they're ready to tear in all kinds of crazy stuff. Facebook. I'm on Facebook. I'm always trying to witness it. So I took the two twin towers and I Somebody sent it to me. It was maybe Joanne. I said, "Here's this monument that was torn down because of racism and, and uh, they hated religion that we were." And I said, 
you don't remember history, you're about to repeat it. We're good at it. Let's move on. He says, feed my sheep. Most surely I say to you, we're in verse 18. Most surely I say to you that when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, uh, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you up and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would uh, glorify God. And he had outspoken this, said to him, follow me. The word stretch out his hand was a picture of crucifixion. So Peter had recognized that Jesus says, guess what? You're going to be crucified someday. That's scary. You know, here's this thing. And then he says, then he says this, in spite of you being crucified, follow me. I don't know where Jesus is leading America. I know one thing, he wants us to turn back to him. But in the meantime, he's telling us to follow him, to tell others about Jesus. If we don't tell them, nobody's going to hear it. The Bible says, without a preacher, no one learns. And, the, and guess what? A preacher is not just pastor or me, it's you guys. You're the greatest witnesses of the world. It's these people that live here walking testimony. So he's telling Peter, could you imagine Jesus said, guess what, you're going to get crucified. But in the meantime, follow me. Now that would be scary, wouldn't it? We don't know what, our, what we're doing. We know one thing, God's in control. Look what's happening here too. This is a great picture. <clears throat> then Peter turning to and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. That was John. Following, uh, he said to him, and he learned uh, uh, on his he leaned on his breast at the supper. Said, "Lord, uh, who is this one who betrays you?" Peter, seeing, he said to him, "But Lord, what about this man?" He's talking about John. He's saying, "Look, there's a person who re- betrayed you. We know who it is. But what about this guy named John?" Jesus said to him, "If you, if it will be that he remain till I come, what is that to you? But follow me." What he's saying to you, first of all, let's let's go back to Peter's mindset. You know, we're, we're thinking, and I was thinking too, that Peter was really kind of selfish because he was saying, well, wait a minute, I'm going to die, but what about that guy? You ever had that? You know, you look at somebody, what about that guy? I worked for General Motors, you know, I thought I was supposed to be promoted. So what about that guy? You know, we do that, right? What did Jesus say? Don't worry about it, I'll take care of it. You just follow me. Now, I think that Peter was asking about John because he was his friend. How did Peter get a chance to know about Jesus? Andrew came. Uh, uh, it was Andrew, uh, Jesus's, or excuse me, uh, um, it was John's brother was following. He was a follower of John the Baptist. And he come and told Peter about the Lord. He said, "On the Messiah." And so they became very close. Notice that they raced. They were the guys, the two that raced to the tomb. They were the two guys that went to the trial together. So I don't think he did it out of being selfish in my opinion. I think he was concerned about, hey, is he going to get crucified? This is what Jesus says. If he, if, he, if he continues to live until I come back, what's that to you? He says, get busy. This is what I learned. Don't worry about the church down the road. Take care of the one here. That's what I learned. Because that way back, I come from a, a church that was very fundamental to begin with. Everybody was worried about what somebody was doing down the road. We need to get busy here. These walls here in, in, in this community. Don't worry about what's down the road. Don't worry about somebody else. 
follow him is what he's telling you. Okay? Then this saying went out among this is this is this, this is great. Somebody will say something and it'll go out and it just get all blown up. So they heard what Jesus said and all of a sudden they're, they're, the rumor goes out. That's, that's a, can you see this is a rumor? Don't that happen in the world today? You read the news, there's a big old rumor out there. Everybody's, everybody's out there whispering, hey, did you hear so-and-so? He said, then this saying went out among them, brethren, of the disciples would not die. Yet Jesus said to him that he would not uh, die. But if he will, that he remains till it comes. That it is that is it. Is that for you? So what are you saying? Hey, listen, he's going to, we don't, shouldn't worry about it. about John. I've got John covered. That's what we need to do here. That's why I love this church. There's so many that, that, that I personally can go to that are leaders that, that help me. I've been doing this for a long time. But I'm going to tell you what, God has given these leaders in this church wisdom that I don't have. And we're doing some things together. And, and, and I'm saying that because you count people. You may think you don't, but you do. You've got something something to offer Jesus. The Bible says, because you're not doing it, the church is going to suffer. Please understand that I don't know what your condition is. I don't know if you're saved, but Jesus wants you to be a part of his kingdom. He died for you. In conclusion, let's look at the back half. This is the disciple who testified of these things, which wrote these things, and and we know that the testimony is true. There also are many other things which Jesus did in which they were written one by one. I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that were written, that would be written. Amen. Here's the, here's the picture. Jesus, Jesus is, has spoken and done so much. The greatest miracle people is not the parting of the Red Sea. to share his love for you, but that agape love. And then in turn, he wants you to share it with your family and your friends. Because listen, time's running out. If you look at Revelation and see the last chapter, he says, I come quickly. Time is short. So we see that Satan is very active right now. The Bible says that during that time that when he's active, he sees this time
looked at, I look at John. He wrote the he wrote the gospel of John. He wrote the story that he shared. You know how awesome is that? That he's in that boat there and he's and he's taking notes. He's taking notes and he's writing all this down. An experience of experience Jesus, the reality of who Jesus is. But then I see Peter, the one who just denied him, the one who was full of shame and reproach in his life because he doesn't deny the Savior. And there he is on the seashore. And Peter, what does he do? Like he did before. He jumps out of the boat and swims to him. I'm sure he's thinking about the storm, the sea, the storm. He came out and he walked on the water with Jesus. And somehow he forgot from that instance of walking on top of the storm and denied his Savior. 